listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. I brought my Bible today as an illustration. Now, this used to be a life application study Bible. You know if you've ever seen them? They're usually about half this size. And they usually look a lot nicer, and usually the uh, Old Testament is still connected to the rest of the Bible. But I brought this, um, I brought my Bible as an illustration because it reminds me of an important lesson that God taught me about prayer. There was a season of life when I was 19 where I spent seven months living in a slum in East Africa doing ministry among uh, youth in the slum. And this was a profound experience for me, I just grew so much in my relationship with God during this period of my life. He was just inviting me into new depths of relationship with him. And part of that was learning about prayer. And there was a day where I was walking uh, to go do ministry in the slum, and I just looked at the road, and it was swirling with dust. It just looked thirsty and dry. And so that day I prayed, Dear Jesus, I pray that it rains. Went to go do the Bible study with my little group of junior high girls, and while doing our Bible study, all of a sudden on the metal roof, we started hearing bing, 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 and the heavens opened with a torrential downpour like we never ever see in Southern California. Within minutes, the slum had turned into a giant pond. And it wasn't stopping. And we go outside uh, when there's a metal roof. Bible study can't continue very long in the rain. We go outside and we realize the stream, which is usually jumpable, has grown rather quickly. And we go up to it and the men in our group could hop across. But I guarantee you if I tried to hop across, I would end up knee deep in a stream made of sewage. And we decided that that was going to be a bad idea. In the meantime, it's still raining so hard that I think we might have been better off in the stream because it probably might have been drier in the stream than out where we were standing. And so we are soaked within minutes, soaked head to toe. And my backpack, soaked. And then began a long adventure to try to get home through the world of mud. It took us a couple hours. We got home about the time that the sun had set, drenched through trying to get across these various streams and rivers and um, mud puddles that had taken over our usual routes to get home. When we arrived home and the chaos had subsided and we had the time to stop and uh, you know, assess the damages, open up my poor backpack, which is now more of a uh, water bottle than a backpack, and find my Bible soaked through. <laughs> Not only was it soaked through, it had grown. <laughs> and as it dried out over the next couple days, continued to grow. Not only wrinkles, but mold. <laughs> but it was the only Bible I had, and it had so many good things in it, so many good love notes, and so many good memories of what God was doing. I was like, well, I can't just leave it. So I did surgery with duct tape repeatedly, again and again and again. And reminiscing over the day, I realized how much I had 
taken for granted that you have to be careful what you pray for. Because if you really believe that God's going to answer your prayers, <laughs> things happen when you pray. And I hadn't stopped to think that, oh, if I'm going to pray for rain, maybe I should wrap everything I own in a, paper, in a plastic bag and bring a raincoat and an umbrella, right? But when I prayed that prayer, had I been thinking that? No, I just, I mean, it was a kind of stupid prayer request anyway. Why do you, you pray for rain? But for me, it was that thing of like, oh, God answers prayer. And, oh, there's power in prayer. God can do so many things through prayer. And that's a lesson that I've been continuing to learn. I learned so much from the people that I spent time with living in the slums because as a good friend of mine who lived there told me, a poor man is rich in prayers. Because in the slum where you have nothing, you don't have any other option. If you want to have your school paid for or have food or see things happen, you have to pray because that's all you have. That's, that's your only background. And so that, that's where you see God working and you see God changing lives and bringing transformation because you have this wealth of prayer, this wealth of having this deep relationship with God. And I've been learning over the years so much from spending time with people about how much I don't know about prayer. It's something that I don't think you ever fully finish learning. It's kind of like an onion, you know, has layers. As soon as I think I've gotten through one layer <laughs> and finished crying over it, <laughs> there's always another and another and another and a deeper and a richer layer of prayer to get into and there's so much more that I have to learn and the more that I learn that I don't know which is exciting and overwhelming at times because I want to know how to pray but I feel like I'm just starting I'm still a novice and I have so much to learn so today during our message we're going to talk about why we pray some types of prayer and how it is that we pray now, first thing is, if we're going to talk about prayer, what is prayer? Prayer can simply be defined as communication with God. And communication is more than just talking to God. Because communication, remember, it involves our body language. It involves listening. It involves expressions. It involves those times when you don't even have words and you can still communicate with God. And so, prayer is communication with God. And to help us understand why we pray, I want to use the metaphor of marriage. Our relationship with God, God himself has called or compared to marriage multiple times throughout scripture. He, he refers to his relationship with the church, us, his bride, in the metaphor of marriage. We are called his bride, he is called the husband, the, the bridegroom. And the principles that work in maintaining a good marriage also work in maintaining a good relationship with God, right? Because what's the key to a good marriage? Communication. If I don't talk to my husband, we're not going to get along very well. Or if our communication is only made up of, hey, did you take the trash out? We're not going to have a good marriage, right? Because marriage involves intimacy, it involves Yes, we have to talk about taking out the trash, but we also have to talk about shared dreams and hopes and fears and visions. And I have to listen to him, and he has to listen to me, because if I'm doing all the talking, it's not a very good marriage either. <laughs> and so, in prayer, if you use those same types of approaches that you would use to maintain a good relationship, in your relationship with God, it can grow in depth, and you can keep 
peeling back those layers of the onion to go deeper and deeper in your intimacy with God. Now, why pray? First reason why we should pray is that prayer builds relationship, just as communication in marriage builds the relationship. Now, when I pray, I have a lot of stupid prayer requests. And by stupid, I mean these are the prayer requests that aren't going to change the world and really don't sound super spiritual, but I pray them all the time. Like the, oh my, where are my car keys? Dear Jesus, help me find my car keys. There's been a lot of those type of prayer requests. There's also the prayer request of like, oh dear Jesus, let the traffic go. I know I'm late, forgive me for my tardiness, but Jesus, I need a miracle. Okay? Now, there's also the prayer requests that are just really, I mean, they just sound so unspiritual and fleshly when I say them out loud. Like, there was a day where I was living in East Africa, and I just saw these beautiful African dresses, and I said, dear Jesus, I want an African dress. Now, granted, I could have gone out and bought one, but I didn't. I just said, dear Jesus, I want an African dress. And you know what happened? The next day, a random person walked up to me with a bag, and in the bag was a beautiful African dress. And I said, Thank you, Jesus. You loved me. And it meant so much more to me than going out and buying it, right? There was a time where I wanted Wicked tickets because I was leaving for Africa, and I was like, I want to see Wicked, and I'm not, this is the only time I have, and they have a, a raffle where you can win front row tickets. So I put my name in, and I said, Dear Jesus, I want to win Wicked tickets. And guess who was sitting in front row at the Pantages that night? Stupid prayer requests. But what was the purpose of those stupid prayer requests? Jesus telling me he loved me. He cared about those stupid things, okay? He listened and he heard and he used those to build the relationship where I learned that I can trust him with the big things and the little things. He cares about both. And it builds the relationship. A 19th century pastor, poet, and author named George MacDonald, who was a big influence on the life of C.S. Lewis, talked about why we pray. Why do we pray if God already knows what we need better than we do? And he said, what if he knows prayer is the thing we need first and foremost? What if the main object in God's idea of prayer be the supplying of our great, our endless need, the need of himself? What if the good of all our smaller and lower needs lies in this, that they help drive us to God. And that is the purpose of my stupid prayer requests, is they remind me that God loves me. The dress and the wicked tickets weren't what was important. What was important was my relationship with God and the fact that I would bring him my stupid prayer requests. Now, granted, there's many that he doesn't answer, like sometimes my car keys really don't show up again. But I still pray it. In the same way that I still might ask my husband, hey, did you take out the trash? Do you know where my car keys are? All those conversations that just are part of life, that are part of the little details that keep our lives running. And in order to have a healthy relationship, we bring them because that's how a relationship functions. We need to talk about the big things and the little things. And in addition to talking about the little things, those big things, the deep prayer requests, are also vitally important. In the same way in marriage, that if the only thing I talk about is taking out the trash, we're going to have a shallow relationship. The same way with God. I need to talk about more than, oh, God, help me through today. God, more, 
Where is my, you know, God, I pray for this person's healing. I pray for my, my, my list. I also need to pray about, God, I am afraid. Or, God, my heart is broken today. Or, God, I want this to happen. Or, God, why are things the way that they are? Those deep heart cries where I can ask God what's really going on, and he can sometimes just listen and sometimes answer back. In the same way that for my relationship with my husband to grow, I have to share the deep things that are going on, the beautiful and the less beautiful, right? Because that's how we know each other's hearts. And the goal of those deep prayer requests is to be able to get a hold of the heart of God himself. He may not tell me the answers to all of my deep prayer requests, but he will answer with his presence, with that sense that he is there and he has heard me, and that's worth more than any specific answered prayer. The knowledge that I have a relationship with the God of the universe who loves me more than life itself is worth more than any gift that he can give me. Now, uh, E.M. Bounds, a Methodist pastor during the Civil War, said that prayer is the contact, or, blah, blah, blah. prayer is the contact of a living soul with God. Prayer fills man's emptiness with God's fullness. It fills man's poverty with God's riches. It puts away man's weak, uh, puts away man's weakness with God's strength. It banishes man's littleness with God's greatness. Prayer is God's plan to supply man's great and continuous need with God's great and continuous abundance. We pray not to get things from God. We pray because we need God. We need him himself. He is our goal. We need his presence, his direction, his voice, and his heart. We pray because we long for a deeper experience of his presence. And he is our goal. Yes, he answers our prayers. He can heal the sick, raise the dead, and stop a storm. But those things pale in comparison to the real miracle of prayer, which is God himself. I am reminded of the stories of Habakkuk and Job, two books in the Bible, which parallel in a lot of ways because you have two men who are basically wrestling before God, going, God, why do bad things happen in the world? Why, is, why are things hard? And in both cases, God answers in pretty similar ways, where he answers with his presence. At the end of the day, they, he doesn't necessarily explain why have bad things happened to you, but he answers with, I am bigger, and I am working, and that's enough for you. And they're welcomed into this deeper revelation of who God is that makes everything they have gone through pale in comparison. They can continue on in their challenges because they've had a direct experience with the living God. Now, types of prayer, okay? Why we pray? We pray because we want to know God and we want to grow in our relationship with God. But what are different types of prayer? There's more types of prayer than I could ever go through in my entire lifetime. So we're just going to hit a couple kind of vague, general uh, types of prayer that we can look at. First type of prayer is an unceasing attitude of prayer. 
This is referred to a lot in scripture. Uh, For example, in Ephesians 6.16, the apostle Paul writes, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. There's a lot of alls in that verse. All occasions, all kinds of prayers, all the saints. Basically, pray all the time for everything, okay? And this unceasing attitude of prayer can be seen through the little things, okay? It's the praying for someone as you walk by them. It's the, God, where are my car keys prayers? It's the, God, give me patience for five more minutes with this toddler. I don't have it. It's the, I just want to sleep. God, give me sleep. It's four in the morning and I'm not sleeping. Okay, those are the types of, you know, all the time prayers. I would kind of parallel it to, with my husband, it's kind of those text messages we sometimes send each other throughout the day, just to connect. Just that this is what I'm thinking about. Or this is, I saw this, it reminds me of you. It's those, those little things that just keep the relationship connected throughout the day. And it's, it's an attitude, an internal eyes of the heart looking for things to pray for. It's seeing people that we wouldn't normally pray, see. Like, oh God, there's an ambulance. Be with that person. Or, oh God, that person looks sad. Bless them. Okay? This constant attitude of being watchful and looking for things to pray over. And listening for how God is calling you to pray. And this is a great and worthy goal, is to be able to be in this place, this attitude of constant prayer. If I'm honest, I'm really not very good at this, okay? It's, it's, I kind of get distracted. It's like, I want to pray, but I'm so busy multitasking that I really forget to. And my attitude internally is usually not one of internally stopping to pray. It's more of an internal mess of chaos. And so that's where this internal attitude of prayer is a goal, but we need steps to get us there. And we can't get there without the next type of prayer, which is disciplined and habitual prayer. In the same way, if my relationship with my husband is only built off of those little touch points throughout the day, we're not going to have a very deep relationship because you can only share so much in a text message, right? And if our relationship is only done when I'm multitasking, he's going to get a little irritated because he's like, hey, I want your attention. I don't want, I'm more important than doing the dishes. Sometimes you just need to put the dishes down and talk to me. And that's kind of with our relationship with God too, is sometimes we need times where we're not multitasking, where God has our full attention, where we can stop, be still, be quiet, and devote our undivided attention to what God wants to say. Now, sometimes while praying without ceasing is a worthy goal, we need help getting there. And sometimes the idea of praying without ceasing can lead us to cease from praying if we don't have these disciplined, habitual prayers. I learned a lot about disciplined, habitual prayer by living in close proximity to Muslims in East Africa. Because five times a day, every day of the week, they have a call to prayer or somebody singing over a loudspeaker reminding everybody in the community It's time to stop what you're doing for a couple of minutes and remember to pray. Five times a day. Everybody stops what they're doing to pray. And at first, our little group of Americans is, you know, we're we're jerks. So we're like, ha, they only pray five times a day. We're supposed to pray without ceasing. Were we really praying without ceasing? No. And so (laughs) later we got convicted, especially when we realized that the first prayer, 
5 a.m., the sun's not up, everything is still, and piercing through the darkness, we hear this call to prayer, which when translated from Arabic means prayer is better than sleep. Ooh, the conviction. I like my sleep. Five in the morning, that reminder every day of, hey, prayer is better than sleep. Like, is it really? Do I believe that? (laughs) In my Christian walk. So our little group of people decided that if they were doing it at five in the morning, we'd better get our game together and try it for a few weeks. And so for a couple of months, a little band of us woke up at five five in the morning every day as the call to prayer was going off to meet, to pray over our Muslim friends and neighbors. The presence of God filled that room with an invisible light that is beyond comprehension. And the conversations with our Muslim neighbors and friends that grew out of that experience were profound. That disciplined, habitual taking time when we were focused and dedicated to praying for something was needed and powerful and it grew us and prayer was better than sleep. We need discipline, routine, habit in our prayer lives. It's a discipline of body and of our thoughts. Uh, Discipline of body, C.S. Lewis talks about Christians as being amphibious creatures, half human, half spirit, okay? He talks about how our body posture is important when we pray. We can pretend that it's not, but if I'm lying down when I pray, I'll fall asleep. If it's the afternoon and I pray, I'll fall asleep. If it's the morning and I pray, I fall asleep pretty much any time of day. I can fall asleep walking when I pray. (laughs) Body posture is important. What are the postures that we can do when we pray to remind our bodies that we are in prayer? Focus us, okay? I turn, I have to write my prayers because I'm so distractible that if I'm not writing, I'm more likely to fall asleep. The more movement I do, the better as well, because the whole kneeling that is out of my bed, that's too close to being in my bed. <laughs> so the, less, the more things I can do to wake myself up, the better chance I have of praying, okay? So what are those things of discipline of body that we can do to encourage us to pray? And discipline of thoughts. Whenever you try to actually get yourself in a discipline, you're gonna find how hard everything is against you being disciplined. It's kind of like a workout routine. (laughs) As soon as you try to get into it, everything in the world sounds better than working out. It's the same with prayer. As soon as you want to pray, your stomach starts growling. You start thinking about that sandwich. That movie never sounded as good, or that pillow is sweet, okay? Because you're trying to pray, and there's an enemy of our souls who doesn't want us to pray. And so, of course, everything in the world is going to show up at just that point when you're trying to discipline yourself to pray. And half the time we can spend our our time praying, daydreaming, thinking about the laundry, doing anything else other than actually praying. And we have to bring back our thoughts and focus them on the reason that we're praying. C.S. Lewis says that... In the screw tape letters where he's talking about the story of a junior demon telling a uh, or senior demon telling a junior be- demon how to throw this little Christian off track. He talks about how that it's funny how mortals always picture us as putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. The simplest is to turn their gaze away from him towards themselves. And 
senior demon tells the junior demon that what to avoid the most in the life of this human being is man trusting himself to the completely real, external, invisible presence there in the room. This, he calls, is the real nakedness of the soul in prayer. And he says, you will be helped by the fact that humans themselves do not desire this as much as they suppose. This real nakedness of the soul in prayer where you have that in-depth experience with a living God can terrify the daylights out of us. Do we really want to have that rainstorm overflow our lives? Do we really want to have that experience of the divine presence in our lives as much as we suppose? And if we do, God will answer. He promises that those who seek him will find him. And sometimes we don't necessarily know what we're in for. <laughs> now, our goal in the discipline prayer is to discipline our mind and our body and our hearts to the point where we can get into that point of our lives where we are in a constant attitude of unceasing prayer, where we can devote ourselves to prayer, where it's a habit. Okay? Habits are powerful in our lives. So much of what we do is determined purely by habit. And I've seen the habit of prayer lately in my little almost three-year-old. So sometimes before, we try to make it a habit before, before dinner and before bed, we pray with him. And one day, he's like, I want to pray too. Like, okay. And he'd start with, dear God, amen. Like, well, that's a start, right? But then about two weeks ago, he goes, I want to pray. We're like, okay, Ezra, you pray. And he goes, dear Jesus, thank you for buddies. Thank you for water. Thank you for grandpa and grandma. Thank you for da daddy and mommy. Amen. I'm like, that was beautiful. You just prayed for real. And we didn't force him to do it. He learned it through habit, through exposure. And that's something that we all can learn through habit. We learn as we do it again and again and again. So another type of prayer we can talk about are Creative and spontaneous prayer. Yes, I realize talking about discipline and habitual kind of sounds the opposite of creative and spontaneous. <laughs> but we need both. Just the same way that sometimes I need regular date nights and regular times away with my husband, sometimes I need times that are spontaneous and creative. My personality might need this more than his. He would probably be happy with Chipotle dates every night. <laughs> I get a little tired of Chipotle. Sometimes I just need to break it out and do Chick-fil-A, like something else, okay? <laughs> but the thing is, in our prayer life, we need to have some spontaneity and creativity where we get bored. <laughs> I mean, sometimes when I fall asleep in prayer, I mean, besides the time that I'm exhausted, which is a lot, but there's other times I'm just bored because I've done the same thing for months, and I need something new. I need to try a different type of prayer. I need to change it up. Sometimes I need to go to a different coffee shop than the one I usually go to. Sometimes I need to just go outside, okay? I hear God really better, really God. I hear God better sometimes outside because I'm a bit of a naturalist at heart and being in nature, sometimes I just hear Jesus and see him better through being in nature. Uh, I had a season where I was doing artwork in prayer just because that was my inspiration. Another time I was 
inspired to listen to Gregorian chants during prayer. Uh, times where I will get really deep into looking archaeology and looking at the biblical archaeology because I'm a nerd, anthropologist, teacher, any kind of archaeology stuff, I get really excited. But that's the point with prayer is it goes with your personality. All of us have our nerdy things, have ways that we're wired that God has uniquely designed you to be able to connect with him with. And go with those. What are your passions, your desires, the things that you love to do? How can you incorporate those into your prayer life? Do you pray better by hiking? Do you pray better doing, in, looking at artwork? Do you pray better in nature? Uh, do you pray better while moving? What are the things that you can do to spice up your prayer life that are uniquely designed and hardwired into your personal um, uh, personality? Okay. Um, place. I mean, just changing places can do so much. I've had incredible times of prayer on rooftops, behind dryers at a hotel, because that was the only quiet spot I could find, uh, at the beach listening to the ocean, overlooking zebra on a savanna, okay? Uh, on sunrise prayer hikes with a group of friends, overlooking the sun coming up over the mountains. Those are changing location and changing who you do it with can give a new spice, a new experience, a new way of hearing from God. And pray about things that you're passionate about. Dallas Willard talks about that we need to pray about the things that we are truly interested in. If we're praying for good things that we aren't interested in, it's not going to work because we're going to get bored. Okay? If you don't care about something, I mean, sometimes God can give us greater desire as we pray about it, but for the most part, he's wired you with particular passions. He's given you the desires of your heart. Pray for those. Start there. Maybe eventually he'll give you new desires and lead you to pray for those, but start with what you're passionate about. And if there's different types of prayer that you haven't done that you might be uncomfortable with, try them, because even though you might not be artistic, sometimes just doing something new can open up a new way of experiencing God. Just in the same way, sometimes my husband has to go on dates with me to restaurants that he wouldn't necessarily choose, simply because he's trying something new with me. Also, next is communal versus individual prayer. Praying by ourselves is great. That's where we reach God's heart. We are able to develop our one-on-one -on -one relationship with him. But we also need to pray with people because we learn from being with people. When I'm with uh, my husband in company, I learn more about his personality than I do by myself because different parts come up. In the same way, I learn about prayer and I learn about the character of God through being with other people because they teach me about their prayer lives, how they experience God. And... Even though I'm quite the intro introvert, like being with other people, I'm able to learn so much more about how to connect with God. And that's why Sunday nights here at the mission, we have prayer nights where we, we um, dedicate time just to pray as a church. We, we dedicate time to being able to do different types of prayer that we haven't done before to being able to learn from each other about how to pray for our community, for our lives, and how to connect and grow in our intimacy with God together. Because right now, during this particular season of life, I get distracted really easily when I'm by myself. I, I mean, if I'm at home, I see trucks on the floor, I see things that need to be cleaned, I get distracted. And so my prayer life during this season by myself isn't always the best. I come to Sunday nights because I need accountability to keep me praying. Okay? When I come to Sunday nights, a bunch of other people are praying, that encourages me to pray as well. 
and it keeps me accountable to be praying, and it gives me the inspiration to pray. So finally, how do, and how do we pray? Pray as God leads you. Pray in the way that only he can teach you. He promises to teach us how to pray. He promises not to lead us, leave us by ourselves as we pray. And also pray in your season of life. I had a season of life where God convicted me that in order for me to spend time with him, I needed to fast and pray one day a week. And I would go on top of a mountain and spend the entire day in worship and prayer and time with Jesus. And it was sweet and rich and beautiful. And I grew so much. That was a season. I'm a wife and a mother right now, working a bunch of jobs. I can't spend a day on top of a mountain with a toddler. He'd fall off the mountain. And so... It's not reality for this particular season in my life. But I can go to a coffee shop when he's at preschool one day a week and spend an hour or two of precious time on a date with my Jesus. And he can minister to my soul in a very sweet, real way. And that's where I'm at. I've had seasons, especially when Ezra was first born, <laughs> prayer wasn't happening. My prayers consisted of, dear Jesus, help me survive. Okay? That was a season. We have seasons of life that go along with where we're at, our stage, our personality. And the beautiful thing is, God knows. And he works with us where we're at. He meets us where we're at because he longs for us to pray. And he longs to connect with us. And he will guide us into how to pray. And um, Oswald Chambers says that prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Prayer is the battle. It is a matter of indifference where you are. Whichever way God engineers your circumstances, the duty is to pray. Never allow the thought, I am of no use where I am, because you, are cer you can certainly be of no use where you are not. Wherever God has dumped you in circumstances, pray to him all the time. Your job where you are as a Christian, as a believer, is to pray all the time for all people, for all kinds of prayers and requests, because that's how you connect with God. That's how you grow. That's your life force, your connection to him. And he will lead you. He gives us the Holy Spirit to teach us how to pray. He will not leave us alone. Romans 8, 26 through 27 says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts and minds knows the mind of God. And because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So I know sometimes in our, when we hear teachings of prayer, they'll give you a good set of, you know, this is pray, for, pray this way at this time. I'm not going to give you that. I'm going to leave you with the knowledge that if you ask Jesus and listen, he will teach you how to pray. He gives his spirit into your heart where he will tell you this is how to pray. If you honestly have the desire to know him and grow in intimacy and you take the time to, to seek him, he will teach you how to do it. You just need to stop, quiet your minds and listen and go with what it is that he tells you. And you will grow and develop and go deeper and deeper. You can peel back those layers of the onions. Go into community, come Sunday nights. Um, pray with others. Ask, 
in grow groups, ask other people about their prayer lives. We can learn from each other to peel back the layers of the onion to be able to get to that real nakedness of the soul in prayer where we have a deeper and deeper intimacy with God. So to sum up, we've talked about why we pray, uh, types of prayer, and how to pray. And so your application points to pray. As you leave here, figure out where are ways that, and times and places that you can pray individually. What are things that you can do to spice up your prayer life, to make it more regular or less regular, depending on what you need? What are the ways that you can grow in your intimacy with Jesus? And pray communally. Come Sunday nights. Um, meet with a friend and pray with them on a regular basis. Uh, take time with your grow group to pray. Gather a group of believers to pray over something you have in common or do a type of, you know, if you really like bike riding, have bike ride prayers. Find some way to pray without ceasing on a regular, creative, spontaneous basis and go deeper and let God change you in the process. Thank you. listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.